Welcome to the Oni Town Podcast. Only, or Oni, is a small, beautiful Georgian town in Buckinghamshire. It's always been known for the song Amazing Grace and the famous Pancake Race held each year on Shrove Tuesday. They've been doing it since 1445. But there are other interesting tales to be told about this remarkable and special place. In this episode, we explore Devil Lore, and then I go in search of the Whirly Pit Tunnel, Headless Horses, and the mysterious case of the Oni Devil. Now, most of the Devil stories are linked to a semi-historical pair of books written around the turn of the century by Oliver Radcliffe. They were entitled Almanac, and they recounted dozens of folk tales. The books also give a really decent view of Oni at the end of the Victorian period. There was another book that was directed to me by locals. It was called Cooper Country, an introduction to the town of Oni and the immediate neighborhood by Gordon Osborne. Now, he was a local, and I went in search of this book, couldn't find it locally, but I managed to find a copy on the internet from a book dealer in Leicestershire. Now, Osborne's book gives virtually the same account of events from Radcliffe's Almanac. This sent me back to the internet, which brought me to Adam Sargent. The the, the folklore I encountered in Only um, has sparked off a lifelong love of folklore, folk horror, um, the, the study of English traditional folklore, history. Adam is a former Oni resident who lived right here on the High Street. He's now a therapist and a storyteller in West Yorkshire, and he also has a pretty successful ghost walk up there. I asked him what he can remember about the devil when he was a kid in Oni. Well, it's it's interesting because I was talking to my brother about it, and he remembered some aspects of it that I didn't quite remember. Um, But... Both he and I, like when we started, we, we used to go to the, um, the the main church, the Anglican church down the end, uh, St. Peter and St. Paul's. And we were choir boys. And he reminded me that this was actually part of a bit of a, a choir boy initiation ritual. and But it was part of the children's folklore this story we kind of passed it around amongst ourselves i don't remember the adults ever talking about it it kind of came from the children it seemed to be passed down by the children to the children and there's there's few other little bits of folklore that i remember this way as well we never really spoke about it to the adults it kind of just circulated amongst us but this particular one it was like a story that we told ourselves of how you could summon the devil. And it, the story basically went, and, and as 
choir boys, you were basically required to or encouraged to actually carry this out. And you were supposed to go down to the graveyard, which I think is where the whole choir boy thing came into it, late at night. And my brother reminded me that it was supposed to take place on a full moon. So you've got this whole gothic thing going on. So late at night when it was dark, and you had to head off into a certain corner of the graveyard where John Newton's grave is. And he's got this big, I mean, I guess if you've ever seen it, it's this kind of big block stone tomb. Like if you're a kid, if you're kind of like, I mean, I would have been probably sometime between nine and 11 when I did this. And it's just tall enough that if you want to look over it, you pretty much have to stand on your tiptoe. And it's situated right in the corner of the graveyard. Graveyard walls meet. And there's only a kind of like a gap of uh, two feet or so between the wall, the corner of the wall on either side and the corners, the edge of the, the grave itself. So you'd have to kind of like, it's quite tight. If you, if you wanted to walk all the way around the graveyard, around the grave. So. The story went that in order to see the devil and what 11-year-old boy is not intrigued by the idea of seeing the devil, at least during daytime, you had to go and stand in the very corner and you then walked around the grave three times. And so, yeah, that's right. So you stood in the corner, so you've had to squeeze in between the grave and the wall, which the, the wall towered higher than the grave, if I remember rightly, was kind of overgrown with ivy. So you walked then three times around the grave, winding up in the same spot. And you had, of course, it had to be anti-clockwise, widdershins against the sun. Um, and these are like really minor details. But by that point, I remember we used to get these books called um, astounding little comic books, astounding stories, the kind of combinations of science fiction and horror. Lots of these had, uh, they, they, they were American um, and they had very often kind of occult based stories I remember one very vividly of a, uh, a man who summoned his departed wife, but what, you know, he some collected all of these occult books and did all of his research and then carried out this occult ritual, but he failed to realize that he would summon her in the form of which she was at the point at which he carried the ritual, not at the point at which he, when she was alive. And it was kind of this ghastly, thing that he summoned so we had our heads filled with this kind of horror gothic imagination at this stage anyway so we we're all intrigued by this um gothic horror anyway and it was the era of um those terrible hammer horror b-movie films so yes i digress we walked around the grave three times and then back to the point at which you stood. And then you had to close your eyes and turn around on the spot three times anti-clockwise. Now, of course, you don't believe any of this. It's all a bit of a jape, it's a bit of a joke. 
but it is dark and it is nighttime. And by now your heart is beginning to race a little bit. Your hands are feeling a little bit clammy. And then finally you have to turn around, face out from the grave into the corner where the walls meet, look up and open your eyes. And there, two feet away from your face, is this horrible stone carving of a devil's head. And I tell you, at the age of 11, if you don't need a brand new pair of trousers after that, you never will. It is the most terrifying experience. We would run screaming when we do that from that. It is. It was. Um, you could, I, I can't imagine the devious mind of the first child that came up with this when they saw that carved devil's head and the gravestone and thought, I know I can scare the willies out of the next child that comes along with this and constructed so, that whole ritual. So, how, how, so you think this is passed down generation to generation? How long do you think this sort of this, this legend goes back? Or is it something you think some clever boy in your year concocted? I have no idea. It had the feel of something that was really well established. Mm. I mean, I would love to know whether kids still do it now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by folklore traditions anyway and, the, and their transmission. This, this idea of kids finding ways of um, hazing each other, scaring each other is just, yeah, I mean, it, they, they go on generation after generation. So. so you see the devil in front of you. I'm assuming you're here in, in the church ground cemetery by yourself on a, on a full moon night. Yeah, when I when I did this, I was by myself. Uh, it was um, because the, you know you've had this all described to you. What you have to do, you know what you have to do to see the devil, but you don't believe it's going to happen. So, and when I say, I mean it, it's dark because you know on a winter's night it'll be dark by you know five o'clock. So you know you're not. Um, and remember, back in the seventies, you could be. You could be out unattended at seven o'clock at the age of nine or ten. It was quite different to you know, the, the way it is today, the, the way children um, played out back then was very different. The whirly pit and the, the endless the endless water that's beneath it, I suppose, right? It's, it's bottomless. Is that the, the story? Oh, I'm trying to get, where does yeah, the legend um, come from of the devil? Why, why is the devil kicking around all night? Why is the devil kicking around only? That's a really good question. Um, there are some towns, villages, locations up and down the whole of England where I think the devil has frequent associations. Um, now, if I remember correctly, and I don't know whether this changed, there was, there was a wonderful chap when I was around called Gordon Osborne. He was a local butcher and he used to come into our school, only middle school, and he gave us some lessons because he was also an expert on local geology and he knew an awful lot about the local folklore and history. And one of the theories about the name of Olney was that the name Olney came from the Old English, I believe, Ola's Island. And Ola was supposed to be an old... 
Saxon, is it? Now, I could be getting this completely wrong because I'm now going completely from very old memory. But you'd be going back to, you know, some you know, only as a settlement goes back a very, very long time, far, far earlier than the Norman Church, for example, of the St. Peter and St. Paul's. So where you get devil legends cropping up in locations, they're very often, in terms of the folklore that surrounds them, the folklore tends to suggest that there is a link to, and I'm, if you could see me, my fingers here are doing bunny ears, saying the old religion. So the, because the, the folklore is perpetuated by the Christians. And the Christians are, and I'm not saying anything negative about anybody's religion here, but the, the, the people historically who perpetuated the folklore were Christian. And what they are referring to in their legends of the devil are stories, folk memories of a transition from one religion to another. So... If I jump away from the whirly pit for a minute, there is, or there certainly was at my time, um, a folklore regarding the church, St. Peter and St. Paul's, that said that when the church was first built, when the stonemasons laid the foundation stones during the day, they would return the following day to find that at night those stones had been moved and put in exactly the same configuration but in the field next door. I don't know whether that myth still, or that legend still persists. Um, and that's a common legend that exists up and down the whole of Britain. And the story goes, the devil relocated those stones because where they had first been laid was on a site that was sacred to him or was sacred to the old religion, to the pagan religion. And Therefore, he refused to allow that uh, the, the church of the new religion to be built upon his, uh, upon his site. Uh, and eventually, or, or, although they kept moving those stones back and back to the original planned site, every day they came back and those stones were moved again and again away, always back into the same configuration, they gave up. And they moved, they, they built the church where it is now. So that would have potentially been an original story that said, well, the devil has a claim on something here. And there's also a story associated with the Whirly Pit that claims that the Whirly Pit is both bottomless but also connected via an underground stream and tunnel that runs uh, alongside or underneath the high street and comes out connected to the ewes nearby the church, which would be nearby the site that would have been sacred to the devil or in pre-Christian terms, sacred to the old religion which would then create some connection between the whirly pit and the old religion. Okay, so for a bit of context, 
The Whirly Pit is a large pond fed by a mysterious spring. Historians say that it may have been a carp pond for an old monastery that once stood near the site. It's never seen any sign of drying up, so locals believe it to be bottomless. Despite all the newly built homes in the area, it still partially exists up at the north end of the high street in Oni. And for reference on the Ouse, or the River Ouse, it's the largest of many rivers with the same name. It runs through Oni and then goes through four counties, eventually draining into the wash near Kings Lynn in Norfolk. Anyway, back to Adam. So again, in later terms, that would mean that the, there would be some connection between the devil and the Whirly Pit. And that became uh, a story that certainly in the time that I remember that on certain nights of the year and I never knew specifically what nights they were but one could imagine that they were probably Halloween and possibly something like St Mark's Eve that the devil would ride out of the whirly pit or that he would be abroad at night and then enter the whirly pit and ride back out from the exit point at the other end of the ooze um riding or driving a carriage that was pulled by headless horses. And of course, woe woe betide any uh, naughty children that were, because there has to be some moral to all of these stories, woe betide any naughty children that were abroad on such nights. Because if I remember the worldly pet at the time, it was was always very algae covered. I don't know if it again is, if it's still the same. Um, yeah. Yes, it is. They've built houses around it, new right. builds, but it is very much still a murky little... It's not yeah. something you'd want to immerse yourself in. Adam was clearly fascinated with Oni and folklore. He offered these two last points before we finished the interview. I have never discounted folklore as having an element of truth. It's something... I was always intrigued by. I wouldn't say I knew it was untrue. I think I've always had the mindset that I've always believed there's something to these stories, but I've never known what it was. I know as a boy, I always wanted to send some kind of remote controlled submarine into the uh, like fantasy send a remote controlled submarine into the whirly pit with powerful headlights and a uh, some sort of remote camera um actually as an adult i'm still quite fancy the idea (laughs) it would be quite interesting now i found adam absolutely fascinating but i had to get in touch with tom jones to get his stories He was the trustee of the Cooper Newt Museum and chairman of the Archaeology Society here in Oni. I had to remind myself to ask him about the moving church stones, the devil connection to the bottomless whirly pit, and of course the goggy exit to the underground tunnel. I also had to make sure that I stayed on topic and not get trapped into telling too many dad jokes. Tom Jones is famous for telling dad jokes. I asked him point blank, yes or no, has the devil been to Olney? Uh, yes and no. He clearly lives in the direction of Wellingborough for most of the time because it's it, it's a devilish county to the north, Northamptonshire, you know. Um, and he usually comes south down the road, famously with headless horses and headless coachmen 
and uh, I'm assuming he has a has a head. And there are two stories, uh, or variants of the same story. One that he simply passed through, that he came to uh, the Whirly Pit, or the Whirly Pits, as it tends to be known now, which is uh, a bottomless, mysterious, pond-like uh, structure on the north side of the uh, the town, fed by a mysterious spring that never dries up. And I can vouch for the fact that it never does seem to dry up, so there is an element of mystery there. He plunged um, with his uh, coach and horses into the whirly pit and disappeared down a tunnel to come out, not at the church, as some people have suggested, but at a place called the Sway Gog, um, which is a piece of uh, uh, a very boggy land near what we know as Goosey Bridge. Um, most people think that it's called that because of geese, um, but it's actually most likely it's called that because it's uh, on the Great Ooze. Goose, Goosey, you see. Um, and it is said that if you stand on the uh, on this wet ground, you can still feel the wobble that was caused by the eruption of the devil out of this uh, out of this hole uh, when he first came down. Now the variants on that story concern an elopement and a murder, but still coincidentally involve headless horsemen and. Uh, headless drivers and that they were chased by an avenger who may or may not have been the devil um, and that they went down to the other end of the town went into the swaygog and came back out at the uh, at the whirly pits so there, there are variants of uh, of this story but we don't know what happened to them or whether the avenger ever caught them at the end of uh, end of that chase so that's that's the whirly pit story so it, it's it's a good thought that if ever we need a bypass there is always a tunnel to fall back on now let me pause there for a second the bypass has always been a huge bone of contention for only residents there's a large amount of traffic that runs up and down the high street to reach the various villages that surround the area you know there's newport pagnall the devilish wellenborough and northamptonshire lots of villages in there one resident told me that his grandfather started a petition for the bypass back in the 1930s they still haven't built one so there aren't many locals holding their breath on the bypass i asked tom about other devil stories but as I say, the other story went around the other way. So um, I'm sure he was seen from time to time. And it may be that he realised how virtuous the uh, the inhabitants of Olney were. And that's when he moved into the, the area, having already had his disastrous effects on the people of Wellingborough, Bosiet uh, and uh, points north. Um, he then moved in to try and corrupt the uh, clean-living people of uh, of Olney. Uh, and it's then it is assumed that he moved into uh, a large house on the high street, somewhere around 121 to 125 uh, High Street, um, and got up to a, some of his dastardly doings inside the house. But a nosy old woman who lived opposite, who used to hang out of the window to try and see what he was up to, he got fed up with this uh, this uh, old lady and eventually when she leaned out of the window he gave her horns that stopped him 
stopped her pulling her head back through the the window again and she was stuck there for some time it's not recorded how long for um, eventually he released her quite a lot went on in this particular house if you believe uh, our usual uh, uh, devil law a chap called dr john faust uh, lived there uh, and uh, apparently had his brains bashed out by the devil on the ceiling and uh, in the days when this house existed uh, there was always a bloody mark on the ceiling that no lime wash would ever remove so they said the two the two brewers was where he went to drink um, and uh, presumably because it was very virtuous and it was somewhere he could uh, he could work on corrupting it's obviously extremely virtuous now um, but in in those days uh, he wasn't having a good effect on the uh, on the clientele and uh, he used to make the the landlord dance and uh, and mess around and put a spell on him and make him do silly things and so the the clientele was drifting away obviously drinking with the devil was a, a, a little dangerous so they summoned priests 13 priests bell book and candle um, and they asked him to to leave for a hundred years and he said no that's far too long I'm not doing that so a canny priest said well when um, will you stay away until this candles burnt to the bottom and he said yes okay I'll do that and so the priest then blew out the candle and threw it down the well in the garden of the two brewers and the, the current owner landlord of the two brewers has confirmed that there is a uh, a, a well in the garden but uh, it's not suggested anyone goes down there to try and find the candle or the devil will return and so the coach with the horses i i've lived in only a number of years i've never seen uh headless horses you've obviously not drunk for long enough in uh, in any of the public houses in uh, <laughs> in oldie and i i've been here 30 odd years and i haven't seen it either i must confess right uh, and i've heard no particular claim that uh, uh that it's uh, ridden through the town but uh, but who knows do you think the devil's still here in oldie in in the well in the whirly pits it's at the possible gog? it's possible um i mean one suggestion of course was he was near the church um, when they were building the church, the current church dates to around 1330, um, they originally were building it in a, a field next to the bridge, which is called Lordships Close. Um, and uh, they put the stones uh, down there one night, went home. When they came back in again, um, they found them uh, moved across to the roughly the current site of the, the church on slightly higher ground. Um, and they thought, that's a bit strange. Um, some uh, miscreants have moved all our stones. So they then went and brought them all back into Lordship Close again, went home again. And the following day, they'd been brought back again to where the current church is. Uh, but this time, um, put together in, in a, a, a very clever, cleverly fashioned manner like a, a, a top mason would would do and then they they started to panic saying we're not working on this the devil is behind this and the the rather uh, clever 
organisers of the uh, the building works and no clearly it's not the devil it's heaven working on this they want us to build this church uh, in this position and uh, and so they uh, they came round and they completed the the church where it it currently is so we don't know that there was a devil involved at all in that story it may simply have been uh, a better place from heaven's perspective to build this uh, this church so where is the original field that was the intended which side i'm, I'm trying to do the math on this it's between the church and the the bridge or between there and the the old tannery offices okay um so as you're driving into only from the south from the milton Keynes direction across the bridge it's the field on the right just before you get to the first house on the right so it literally is right. literally just that open little field space that's that you walk past in the walk through to the church that's right so that's right so moving the stones could have been very easy for divine intervention but not so easy for you or i absolutely absolutely yes they would have weighed tons and uh, it would actually not have been a particularly good place i imagine it could get quite flooded and boggy down there so i think it was good uh, so a good why, bit of surveying wise advice from upstairs absolutely so where is the sway gog in relation to the church and that that original field it's some distance away it's actually uh, as you, if you were driving in again from the milton Keynes direction if you turn left in the direction of western underwood um, past the last of the older terraced houses the victorian terraced houses uh, a little track runs down towards the the river and there's a, a very small bridge at the bottom known as Goosey Bridge, um, which you can drive over. It's quite a solid bridge. It dates back to, I think, 1796. Um, and the Swaygog, I think, is the left side of that track just before you get to the, uh, the, the bridge itself. So it's some distance from the church, actually. That's it is. some distance. It is. It is. The church wasn't really connected with, the, um, with those stories as, as far as I was aware mm. others may think differently because obviously they're quite spooky places the uh, uh, you know burial grounds around churches so it tends to draw that sort of story to itself as i mentioned before tom is the trustee of the cooper newton museum here in oni it's the home of the song amazing grace if you didn't know and there was no way i could interview him without hearing about what makes the museum one of the best kept secrets in the uk there's loads to see. Everyone who comes to the museum is is always very pleasantly surprised. It's uh, a fairly uh, straightforward uh, sort of building that you can quite easily walk past and think it's a solicitor's office, and everyone is is very pleased to find out what's uh, what's in there. And you can you you can come with various uh, aims in mind a lot of people come along because they like the the local history the lace making that side of things uh, a lot come because of uh, uh, the poetry associations particularly Jane Austen because uh, Cooper was Jane Austen's favorite poet he's quoted in three of the of the six Jane Austen novels mentioned by by name um, and she writes letters and uses his name to Cassandra her sister um, and on the uh, uh, on the somewhat sadder side we have quite a lot on the history of slavery and both Cooper and Newton were major although Newton was a slave trader they were both very active in the abolition movement uh, of the late 
1700s, both friendly with Wilberforce, um, who lived incidentally for a time in the area, um, and, uh, and both very influential with uh, the parliamentarians. And uh, Newton, luckily, lived just about to see the abolition of the slave trade, even though he didn't live to see the abolition of slavery in the British Empire. Um, in uh, in 1807, so it's tied in with major developments in society at that time. It's not just a, a twee little house in the backwater. So do come and see us. We are open, uh, and uh, and there's plenty here to see. That's Tom Jones from the Cooper Newton Museum. Definitely go visit if you're ever anywhere near Oni. It's home of the song Amazing Grace, and that's worth a visit on its own. Now, devil lore. It's defined as a body of folk belief and custom concerning evil spirits or devils, and is sometimes confused with demonology. The residents of Oni embrace folk stories about the whirly pits and the tunnel to the Swaygog and Goosey Bridge and all that. They love it. The famous Two Brewers pub... Is still on the high street. It's still open. You can still go and have a pint in the garden near the well where the devil once sat. The building that once stood at 21 to 25 High Street, well, it's no longer there. But the current inhabitants are fully aware that the devil may still linger in their hallways. Newton's Grave, still a local attraction for many young believers. I wandered down to have a look myself one evening. There were no spooky happenings during my visit. But that doesn't mean there wouldn't be one for you. You'll have to go down to the grave yourself and have a look. Join us on the next Oni Town podcast. Voiced and produced by Nicholas Hunt and music provided by the incomparable Ian Roberts. To contact the show, go to oniradio.com. That's O L N E Y R A D I O. Dot com.